We're going to continue worshiping with um, 670, Make Me a Blessing. And last week, as Neil was preaching, this song kept going through my mind. So I thought, man, we've got to sing that um, next week. And it really sets up because, you know, he said we're getting the second part of that message today. Um, so this, we sing exactly what he's teaching us this week. time of worship. I want to thank you most for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that, that um, lived the life I should have lived and paid for my sins on the cross. 
God, I'm, I'm grateful to come here and sing songs to you this morning. God, I, I missed singing last week when I was gone. And I, I needed some time just to think about what all you have done for me, God, and I'm, I'm grateful. And I just pray that uh, we'd all listen to what you have to say to this morning. We'd take it to our hearts and minds. These things I ask in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. Benji, thank you for your comments, which I thought were right on point with what we want to see today in Luke's Gospel, in chapter 10, verse 38. And what a fitting song, Catherine, thank you. I thought that song was just a chorus. That song had some meat in it, and I'm grateful for the blessing that God has been to us through the cross of Christ, so that we in turn can be a blessing to others. Very, very fitting. And as, as I stood there and sang, I thought, this is, this is the message. You know, Jesus promised that if we follow him, he will make us, he will make us become fishers of men. He will transform us. Well, he will save us, transform us, and make us a blessing to other people. In a world where every week we learn there are needs all around us. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin in the grave, weep o'er the erring one and lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. That's, that's, that's the role of us as individual Christians and as a church. So Luke chapter 10 verse 57 so this is actually part three. First we saw the greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. So last week, the Good Samaritan was someone who loved other people well. He was a blessing to a man in need. He was a blessing to a man in need. But Jesus shifted the, the, the story from who is my neighbor to becoming a certain kind of person toward other people. The, the lawyer was trying to narrow that definition of neighbor, but Jesus would not allow him to do that. Instead, Jesus expanded or shifted the lawyer to thinking about expanding his own heart to being someone who was neighborly. So I think Luke puts what we have next here on purpose. I think that before we get ahead of ourselves and just start running out into acts of love and service, we first need to think about who we are and what's going on inside of us before we can be a good Samaritan or be like the good Samaritan, I'm talking to myself, I must be transformed. I must be transformed by choosing to love and value what is good. By choosing to love and value as most important what is good. Look at verse 38. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. That's a good thing, welcoming Jesus into your home. She's being hospitable. She had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word, seated at his feet. But Martha... She was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, this is so good, isn't it? Martha, Martha. I think one of, the, uh, one of the translations said, Martha, dear Martha. 
Because I think that's the tone, that's the heart and the tone Jesus uses here in, in correcting her. You are worried and bothered about so many things. But only a few things are necessary, really only one. For Mary has chosen the good part. Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Father, help us to see today what you want us to see. And speak to us today through your word. To transform our hearts our minds and our strength and our souls to be able to love you well, to love you deeply and fervently so that then our hearts and our lives would overflow with, with love to other people. May we get this right first. May we choose the good part. And may we do it consistently and regularly as a church and as individuals. Father, all around us, the needs are great. And as Benji reminded us so well from Peter's life, this life is very brief. May we use our time well and wisely as you would have us to. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, Luke chapter 10, verse 38, the good part, the good part. Or as sometimes we would like to say, that's where the good stuff is. That's the good stuff. Have you ever said that? So I'm driving yesterday. Uh, my brother called me, Jake, Allie's dad, and he said, she's doing better. Will you come get me? I said, I'm there. You know, the walls are closing in. <laughs> Allie's doing much better. Will you come get me at Children's Health Care? I said, absolutely. So I left yesterday morning. So on my way, on I-20, I'm driving. Well, the radio station, I'm in my wife's car, and she's got it tuned to NPR. That's a station I never, I rarely listen to. But they've got Saturday morning 9-11 coverage. Some of it is live from the memorial there at Ground Zero where I've been, some of you've been. 20-year anniversary, testimonies are being shared, uh, memories are being shared, the impact is being shared. And I've told you before that after 20 years, we forget how we felt, we forget at times um, some of the emotions that were there, but then yesterday, if you're like me, you're, you're, you're rethinking a lot of that and you're, you're unearthing some of the emotions and the thoughts that you had. And so there I am driving to pick up Allie, uh, pick up Jake, and, and, and mentally thinking about all that went on with, with her and them this week that was totally unexpected. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, that's life, isn't it? That there is always something that is going to happen that we don't foresee, that's going to reset and reorient, reorient the, what really matters most in life. 9-11 was that kind of event 20 years ago. Resetting and reorienting us to what really matters. For my brother Jake and Ashley and Allie, man, Wednesday night and Thursday morning, this time last week, they didn't see any of that on the radar. There was none of that expected. It, was, it came from seemingly out of the blue, from out of nowhere. And now something that they had no idea was happening and coming takes precedence immediately over everything else. So I did a lot of reflecting yesterday in my own heart and life about this message and why this message reminds us of what matters most. What matters most? Jesus is pointing us to what matters most. Our relationship with Him. Knowing Him. Walking with Him. Trusting Him. Feeding upon Him and His Word. 
so I want to walk us through this, but I want to walk us through this in the context of what Benji has shared from Peter, that our lives are short, our lives are just a vapor, we're here and we're gone, and you and I must put as priority over everything else what is eternal, what matters most. And that's our relationship with God and our relationship with people. Loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving each other as Christ has loved us. What a wonderful story, by the way. You and I need this constantly, don't we? This, this correction. So first, I notice that there is a household conflict. Well, that's not so surprising, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> household conflict. Difficulty within the home. There, there is so much here in this home in Bethany. This is Mary and Martha's home in Bethany. There's a lot here about Martha that we must commend, right? She's serving. She's doing. She's welcomed Jesus. In fact, the Bible tells us, we talked about this all last week, by love serve one another. We've got to get that right. But the highlight here, the emphasis here, is on the contrast between Martha and her sister Mary. Mary is submitting to the truth. Notice her posture. She is seated at the feet of Jesus. She's underneath someone. She's underneath Christ and His Word and the truth. If we were to study and do a comparison and a contrast between Mary and Martha, there's a lot of things that we could highlight that are different here about the two sisters. One is focused on doing. The other one is focused on being. One is focused on the external, the other is focused on the internal. One is focused on activity, the other one is focused on intimacy. One is doing things right, the other is doing the right things. One is focused on the urgent, the other is focused on the important. Now, we could go back and dissect all those contrasts, being and doing, uh, the urgent and the important, and get really good practical help and messages from those. I just wanted you to notice the difference in the two sisters and how Jesus comes into this situation. But I want to point out that the conflict really is inside of Martha. She seems like a tempest in a teapot, okay? She's serving and she's doing, but she's distracted. This word distracted means to be, to be drug all around, to drag around. It feels like things are coming apart at the seams. She's just pulled in all these different directions. My grandmother used to call it, You've got too many irons in the fire. I learned a lot from my grandmothers. I quote them often, don't I? I'm going to quote another one later. The conflict is inside of Mary. There's so many moving parts. Do you ever feel that way about your life? There's a lot of moving parts in my family. Wife, church, five children, they're all scattered about. You got, you know, sermons to prepare, Bible studies to prepare. And then, then, you know, your niece is in children's health care and you didn't see that coming and you didn't see this coming. I'm just explaining how I feel and it's the same way you feel. And it really doesn't matter. I've noticed how many children or grandchildren you have. It doesn't matter whether you're working or not working. I mean, we feel this way because we're human beings. We feel all torn and twisted and pulled in, in all sorts of different directions. You can relate to Martha, can't you? I know I can. So she goes to Jesus. She's frustrated. 
She's agitated. She feels like things are coming apart at the seams. She has the audacity, to borrow our phrase from last week, to ask Jesus, do you even care? (laughs) Have you noticed within a home that sometimes we will ask our spouse, our children, our parents, do y'all even care? And if we were to step back and think, she is asking the ultimate caregiver if he cares. Have you ever asked God if you care? Of course we have. And she's got this mentality. I am the only one around here who ever does anything. Have you ever had that thought? I know that you have. I'm the only one around here who ever does anything. It's not an objective thought. It's not a correct thought. But it's one that Martha is having. Martha seems to have Plum's disease. Poor little old me. Notice the emphasis in what she says to Jesus. She has left me to do all of this alone. Those are some emphatic statements letting us know how she feels about the situation. You don't care that, look at verse 40, my sister has left me to do all alone. Tell her to help who? Me. So already we notice that what's on Martha's mind more than anything else? Herself, me. The I in sin is I, I problems, right? The big I, as Charles Stanley used to say. So often and so correctly. She has elevated herself and her activity in this moment of urgency. And she is neglecting what's ultimately most important. She is not at peace. But listen to this, y'all. The Prince of Peace is right there in her home. She is unsettled. But the God who is in control is right there. In her house. When I thought about that particular phrase, I thought, Neil, 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 dear Neil. Sometimes you're so bothered and you're so stressed and you're so pulled, but Christ is right there with you in your home, in your life, in your workplace. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He truly gives a peace that passes all understanding. But let's go back to the original point. We're shown in this text a household in conflict even though the Prince of Peace is right there. So go back and say to yourself, is this possible? Is this really possible for me to be in unrest and anxiety and pulled in all different directions and and miss what's most important? Absolutely. One of my favorite Christmas movies is the movie Home Alone. The whole premise from the very beginning is that this family is going on a trip overseas and they're packing and they're cooking and they're preparing and they're running in all different directions They get on a plane and leave, and then the mom and the dad are on the plane, and they look at each other and say, where's Kevin? (laughs) And their hearts sink because they realize that they have left the child home alone back in the States. Tracy and I did that one time with Asa. (laughs) We get to the rec fields for a practice, a game, and we look at each other. Where's Asa? (laughs) We had left him at home alone. But I'm not going to tell you the context there. Everything obviously turned out okay so far. far. (laughs) Maybe that traumatic experience explains some things, right? So it is extremely easy for us, especially in the culture we live in, to neglect what is essential and what is most important focused on on the urgent. 
So the second big picture point that I notice is that Jesus then offers a helpful correction. There is here a helpful correction. Martha, Martha, I thought about a teacher that I had in high school who I learned a lot of algebra from. He would often correct us in those equations, and he would come by and he would say, Neil, Neil, you have got the cart before the horse. You got things out of order. If you got the cart in front of the horse, you got problems. (laughs) Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered and upset about so many things. But, here it is, Mary has chosen what? The good part. There are a lot of parts to life. There are a lot of parts to my life and your life. There's some sad parts and there's some happy parts. There's some good parts and some bad parts. And there's been some holy things and there's been some sinful things. There's some broken things. There's some healed things. There are a lot of parts to life. But what Jesus focuses in on here is the good part. Mary has chosen the good part. And in what he says in his correction to Martha... He tells us something about the good stuff that we need to know. The good part is necessary. Necessary. What's good is not optional. What's good is not an added bonus. It is what is necessary. It's like going into the cafeteria. First you choose your meat and then you pick your sides. Jesus is saying, this is what's necessary. Now, there are a lot of moving parts in life, but there's one part that you better get right. It is absolutely essential. To gain the whole world and lose your soul? To gain the whole world, to gain everything else, but to lose your soul? is foolish. It's foolish. This is not an added extra. This is not busy work. This is your life. Mary has chosen what's necessary. A lot of things are needed, but this is the one thing that's necessary. It's also singular. In other words, it's one thing. How many times in the Bible does it talk about how God is is one? He is the ultimate one. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all this shall be added to you. I thought about the rich man and what Jesus said to him. What did he say? One thing you lack. Isn't that interesting? Mary is choosing the one thing that the rich fool lacked. And it's her relationship with God. It's necessary, it's singular, it's also a choice. She chose it. There are so many things for us to choose. Choose you this day whom you will serve. She's not passive. She's actively choosing the gift that God makes available. Stand and see and ask for the ancient path where the good way is and walk in it and you'll find rest for your soul. This is what's necessary. It's singular. It's chosen. It's best. Isn't it interesting that God loves us so much that he commands what's best for us. He commands that we love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God commands the good part. There are so many options, but what's what's supreme? So the good part that Mary chooses is necessary, it's singular, it's choice, it's best, and it's permanent. Let these thoughts sink into your mind and ears. Will not be taken away from her will not be taken away from her. 
No one can take your joy away from you, Jesus tells his disciples. What I give to you is permanent. It cannot be taken away. Now let's be honest and real. Everything else in life is ultimately going to be stripped away. But this is the one thing that can never be lost. That if you're in the Father's hands, no one, no thing can ever take you out of His hands. There's nothing that can ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor princes, nor things. That, that end of Romans 8 that we so love. That this is what is permanent. It's eternal life. One life to live will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. That's the fruit that remains, according to John chapter 15. So, Martha needed this. You and I need this. This helpful correction. Earlier we heard the seed which is being sown, that is the word, some of it fell among thorns. Let's remember what Jesus said about the thorns. These are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way... They are choked with what? With worries, riches, pleasures of this life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. Martha, at this point in her life, the word that Christ would give her is being choked out by worries, Maybe not riches and pleasures, but at this point, worries. But the danger is there also. Worries, riches, and pleasures of this life and no fruit to maturity. So, let's stop and ask, what is the ultimate good? Knowing Christ. Knowing God in Christ. Loving Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. A relationship with God of love and trust and intimacy. You could go back and say that Jesus is necessary. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the choice. Jesus is best. Jesus is permanent. He is the ultimate good. So first there's a household in conflict. Then there's a helpful correction. But then last, there's a healthier course. A healthier course. There's some guy earlier this week, when asking me about these points, pointed out, hey, all those are HC, Herd County. <laughs> I was like, come on, man. But I like that. I like that. A healthier course. So we see in what Mary chooses a better way. It's the healthier way because what Jesus apparently is telling us is that you and I are not just body, we're not just activity, but we're first, there's an order here. We are first heart and soul, and then we're strength and mind. So it's what's going on inside of us that we need to prioritize above everything. There is a better way, and He is the way. This is wholeness, it is balance. Jesus here is prescribing in this correction the way, the truth, and the life. So even though there's much to commend about Martha, we've got to first be like Mary and engage in worship and engage in instruction. To me, those are the two key things that she engages in, in this passage, that we ought to prioritize. If we get that first button right, gentlemen, and work from the top down, all the other buttons will line up correctly, won't they? But if I start here, man, oftentimes I'm out of line. So worship comes first. What is Mary doing? She is seated, she is sitting at his feet. Don't just do something, sit there. And then, don't just sit there, do something. It starts with worship. She is enjoying 
the beauty and the awe and the majesty of Christ her Savior. Be still and know that I am God. Stop. Do, do we realize that the greatest events which have ever happened involved us doing nothing? But sitting and receiving the gift of what? Creation? Where were you? God says to Job, when I created the world, where were you? What was Adam doing when God gave him Eve? He was asleep. Psalm 121 says, God gives to his children while they're sleeping. The greatest gifts that we have happen to us miraculously by the grace of God. Talks about children. Yeah, we were involved, but God, God did the work. What about salvation? We rest in the finished work of Christ. Oh, we do something. We receive what he's already done. So she's worshiping him. She is, she is basking in the glory. She is alone at the feet of Jesus, humbly listening and leaning in. So I, I want to develop this a little more, but, but, but I, I think that Mary is engaging in what matters most, and what matters most is worship, putting him above everything else in life. Resting in who God is and what He's done. Slowing down, stopping. Like you're doing right now, seated, listening to what God says to us through His Word. William Temple said this, To worship is to quicken the conscience with the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination with the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will to the purpose of God. That's a lot. That's heavy. But worship is all-encompassing. The other part to this is instruction. She is not just sitting there. She is not idle. Her mind isn't like mine used to be so often in worship, drifting to whatever else is going on out there in life and the world. She was leaning in in humility and openness and focus, listening to His Word. Listening to His Word. Being teachable and instructed. Taking it in. Loving God with all her heart, soul, mind. She, her mind is engaged and strength. Blocking out the noise, she's a learner. Kyle, I thought about something you said several months ago where you in one of our services, I think it was a Wednesday night service, Kyle was stressed and worried about a lot of things, and he sat down, he told us, and just read through the Sermon on the Mount. Just read through it. Just sat there and listened to Jesus. Kyle, I'll never forget what you said. That after you sat there and read the Sermon on the Mount, listened to Jesus, you knew it was going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Oftentimes, I'm, I'm reading just to study to have something to preach. <laughs> Not just stopping listening to the words of Jesus. There's a difference. So the effect on our lives of worshiping and being instructed as disciples of Christ will be the following. And I'll close with this. Salvation. And that we hear the good news. First, the bad news that this is a fallen, broken world and we are sinners in need of grace and salvation. But as you listen to Jesus, you hear, I am the way. I am the good shepherd who lays down my life for the sheep. As you listen to Christ, as Mary listened to Christ, you'll find the good part, and that's the good news of salvation. That God loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son. As you listen to Mary, the way of salvation, as you listen to Mary, as you listen like Mary, the way of salvation through Christ is open up to us. We hear of the cross. We hear of the resurrection. We hear the good news. And if you're like me in a world like this, 
Preach the good news to yourself every day. What does that mean? Stop and listen at the feet of Jesus to who he is and what he's done. Salvation. There's also orientation. You ever gone into something new? A new job? A new school? A new anything? With many good organizations, there's something called orientation. I love orientation because that tells me Here's what life is like here, and here's what you need to know. Sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to His Word is orientation. In fact, it's it's reorientation. You know what was happening to me on the way to the hospital yesterday morning? A reorientation. A resetting of what matters most about what's going on in life. There's creation then there was the fall, and that's why we're in the mess we're in. Then there is redemption, and one day there's going to be glorification. So sitting at the feet of Jesus, hearing his word, we have salvation. We have orientation. We also have transformation. He changes us from the inside out. The word has an effect. Faith, hope, love. The fruit of the Spirit. How does God create that in us? Through the Word. But there's also inspiration. Why should we continue to have faith and hope and love? Well, you sit at the feet of Jesus long enough and hear the good news. The story of of His righteousness and His love. and, And then you'll be inspired to continue to do what He calls us to do. So my son Bennett interviewed me yesterday for class. He's in the fifth grade. He says, I got to do a report on 9-11. And this was the question. After 20 years, what do you have to say or what would you like to say about 9-11? I says, well, Bennett, I've got... Three things to say. (laughs) They laughed at me because it sounded like three points to a sermon. I says, I'm very humbled to live in a world where such evil could possibly take place. That's very humbling. I says, I'm very thankful and grateful for those who are willing to sacrifice their lives in a noble, good thing to lay down their lives to rescue others. And then I says, I'm really committed and inspired to do my part, to be what I need to be, to be salt and light in a world that that is the way it is. What would you say? What would you like to say in light of things like 9-11? We say what we say as a church because we have a context of what Christ has told us that gives us a framework to understand and to help gives us a framework to understand and to help and to put what means most in the priority position he corrects us he helps us so my grandmother louise i don't see how she did it and she didn't do everything perfectly but as i studied this week and thought about mary and martha I look back on her life as a mother, a wife, five children, working all the time, being a pastor's wife, playing the piano if you don't know who she is and was. On Sunday mornings, we would go eat with her after church. She put a pot roast on, okay? She'd get up really early and put a pot roast on. And that pot roast would sit there. Gosh, I'm going to cry again, aren't I? <laughs> that pot roast would cook. And she would go to church and play the piano and sit and listen. And my point is that the pot roast mattered, all right? It mattered. It was good. It was necessary. It was one of those needful things. But she so planned and organized her life that worship was always from my perspective looking at her life, that was what always came first. 
She cared about whether or not the pot roast was dry. <laughs> it's too dry. Nah, Grandma. The way she organized her life created for us sacred moments of time. It wasn't necessarily preparing for anything, but those moments in and of themselves, right there, were beautiful and godly. And I just, I thought to myself, that's how we ought to operate. I had a couple come to a Bible study one time on Mary and Martha, and afterwards they said this to me, and I'm, I'm closing now with this. If you listen like Mary and then serve like Martha, you can live like Lazarus. Let's close with that one. Father, thank you for correcting us through circumstances and events but most of all, through Jesus, about what matters most. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for instructing us. Thank you for being with us daily. Father, we need you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. Catherine. Uh, Chris was going to say a word about one night in Bethlehem. And I think to sum it up, it's going to be let's help. <laughs> Get involved, right?
Amen. Thank you, Crystal. Hey, Sunday school, we're already in it. Um, Catherine, will you close us, please? Uh, Let's sing the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Y'all have a great week. Don't forget there's new Sunday school class to start today.